0: I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life.
1: Is that from Casablanca? Yes. (laughs) Nice. I got one. Woo! (laughs) Welcome to episode 6 of the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast. This is Justin.
0: And I'm Joey.
1: And in this episode, we picked out some criterions that we know nothing about. First up, we'll be checking out how people on many levels are impacted on this, in the seedy world of the Italian mafia in director Matteo Granoni's uh, Gamora from 2008. Plus, we'll be doing plenty of California Dreamin' as we step into Wong Kar-Wai's visually dazzling world of hopeless romantics in
0: 1994's Chung King Express. And just a heads up, we do discuss our full thoughts on the films, so if you haven't seen a movie, just skip forward to avoid any spoilers.
1: And if you want to join the club, make sure to hit subscribe, leave us a comment. We would love to hear
0: from you. been a couple weeks, Joey. How you been? I can't complain too much. Um got some hit second Charles so I got a bunch of criterions before the sale started um and then you know I got the, the stuff from the sale which I think we'll talk about in a bit so yeah. I'll just talk about all of that together um okay I got my platinum trophy in the last of us Two. um so I got all the trophies for people who aren't familiar with how that works if uh, are
1: you a big fan of that game? I heard a lot of complaints about characters getting killed off and stuff.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of people who are, were had some complaints about stuff. So spoilers, um for people who haven't played The Last of Us Two and want to, so they kill off Joel, who um was one of the main characters from the first game. They kill mm-hmm. him off pretty early, um after they make you they make you play as the character who kills him and then they make you play as her again later on in the game um basically to one make you understand that she's basically the same as the quote hero character and then make you realize that neither she nor the hero character ellie are actually heroes there are no real good guys or bad guys in this in this tale because everything that abby the bad guy did ellie does too so it's a It's a really good and layered story, but a lot of people hate it. And they also talk about some social justice issues and, you know, because Ellie's a lesbian and there's a trans character and things of that nature. And people hate it for that reason, but the story is really good and looks great. And I imagine much like the first game, it'll win a ton of game of the year awards. So, so yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy that I, I, Finished getting the platinum. I'd already beaten it, but I went back through to get some extra trophies and find all the collectibles and that kind of stuff. Um, Cause now, um, so this is Wednesday. So in two days, um, uh, ghost of Shushima, the big, uh, samurai epic from sucker punch will be coming out. And it has the Kurosawa mode where you can play in black and white to make it look like a Kurosawa movie. And <laughs> they drew, a lot of inspiration from Seven Samurai and Yojimbo and 13 Assassins. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that game. Nice. Yeah. It's
1: been a long time since I've gotten into any games on my own. I never did play that uh, last Uncharted game, but um, yeah, Fallout 4 I think was the last one I kind of dabbled in. I played the heck out of 3 and um, New Vegas and
0: Skyrim. Those were the ones I really played hardcore back in the day nice um there's much different different style of game than what I usually play I did right before um, I played The Last of Us I did play Uncharted 4 since they're the same developer and kind of get back used to how they, they work their games even though they're different styles of games and then of course um the other thing that I was into which I sent you a picture um was I got my tattoo today it was the first one I've gotten in like 10 years um yeah. maybe more 11 years i don't know it's been a long time <laughs> a long time since i I've gotten one so it was pretty exciting um and so and, and justin much much like every, most everybody most everybody didn't know what it was either so don't feel bad i expected <laughs> you to know to be fair but <laughs> well it's it's like it's like a kind of it's like an asian like lion thing kind of thing yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the. It's to be fair, it's small. I mean, in, in the movie, it's a very small symbol mm-hmm. um, on her sword. So I mean, well, yeah, you know, if, well,
1: if there was if be anybody, Beatrix
0: Kiddo's katana, right? Yes. If anybody was going to know that it was the Hotori Hanzo symbol on on the bride's sword, it would have been you. But so, <laughs> oops. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. It's, it's fair. Like it's it's just like a
1: like a glimpse of it in the movie well i don't know how much they showed in the movie but um yeah unfortunately that's i mean I yeah oh well <laughs> all right um cool yeah let's see here what is up with me um yeah just same old same home you know watching lots of movies right lots of reviews i'm kind of happy with my new uh system on letterboxd like I was never really sure how I should do it with like if like I want to post like a short review right away or if I want to like um just say that I watched it and then come back later delete that and then write a review but now what I got is like my what's coming up list which I did only want that to be like five movies now it's like 12 but I mean such is life and then after I actually watch them they go into like a um a uh, review backlog and so then I review them out of there and I've been doing them all in order. Um, The one time I got real messed up like a year and a half ago um, I let it get really backed up and then I started like doing things out of order so like I kept putting certain reviews off and then at at a certain point you just end up having to watch the whole damn movie again and that's no good so I let a couple movies go. For instance um, I watched Eternal Sunshine um, back then and yeah I just never got around to writing about it so Gonna have to get back to that one day. Um, so, Joe, you have, do um, you ever deal with uh, any infestations where you've lived?
0: Um, in a couple of places, there's been some infestations. Like I, on um, when I moved back to the Florence area a couple of years ago, the place where I moved in to live, like it didn't matter how much it was cleaned, how much it was bombed. We bombed it while I lived there multiple times madagascar cockroaches they just could not, not get with- rid of them yep the big the big fat ones um like you just you just could we could not get rid of them. like the bombs would make them go away for like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and then they'd just be right back um hissing, and then- hissing
1: cockroaches and with the little white specks in south carolina uh palmetto bugs that's what everyone would call them
0: but, yeah, um, well, it's because, you know, they don't, mm-hmm. want to, they don't want to be like we have roaches and like we have palmetto bugs, because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, and, you know, I've lived in places where, you know, there's been fleas and stuff, but, you know, because of pets, but, you know, you can yeah. generally just bomb those out and it's fine, mm-hmm. so.
1: Yeah, we had a situation where, like, over the 4th of July weekend, um, we changed, like, trash companies, and so they... Moved the trash day up on us without telling anybody so we had our t- trash sitting down sitting out for like a whole week and so then i had a bunch of black um trash bags in my garage getting all stacked up and then whenever like i finally got rid of the old trash and we were about to load the new trash can like these trash bags were covered in maggots which i didn't really understand the concept of, ma- of ma- a maggot at first but essentially it's just like a baby fly and flies have been like awful this year here in charleston at least um, Went to Walmart a few weeks ago and got all kinds of fly traps and um, so yes. As soon as that that trash got away, put the the maggoty bags. <laughs> this is gross um, in the trash can. Stashed that in the on um, the backyard. Uh, flies were swarming around that. So what I did is I took one of these little house-shaped um, fly traps with like the sticky paper in it and like I jammed a piece of fruit in there and literally, I came out there the next day and there was like not a spot on this sticky pad that didn't have a little buzzing fly on it. So, yeah. It's pretty gross this summer in terms of
0: uh pests. But uh yeah, getting I mean, through that it. That sounds sounds fun. Yeah, we've um like we've got fruit flies um real oh, bad man. this year up here and like we don't have any fruit or anything out, you know, like mm-hmm. and it's just all uh, like when i first moved in here the first summer we had in this apartment um we had them real bad and then like last year we didn't have them at all and then this year they're back and i don't know what the hell it is so
1: yeah a last year uh, gnats and fruit flies were a lot worse and a lot of times what i would do was i would um like you take a little bit of like vinegar and you mix some um detergent in there and put like a piece of fruit in there and then they get like caught in the um the little liquid thing quite of quite a few of them that way but um yeah the sticky pads are pretty good one time Adam at like I had store a bunch of bird food in the garage and there's like all these moths and I bought some moth pads and um I trapped them in a couple days so yeah the things you learn when you uh, start living on your own <laughs> yeah and what, South Carolina is a big hotbed for uh COVID again I guess we're like one of the highest
0: in the nation like my we're like we're like if we were a country, we'd be the third highest country in the world. So, um... Well, at least we're not Florida. But, you know, there's that. We're not Florida. No end in sight
1: here with COVID. And then back to school is like right around the corner. So how is that going to work? And, I mean, I don't like to complain about it, but it's getting a little weird. It's, it's going on <laughs> a long, long time.
0: Yeah, and there's so many other like countries that we could probably follow their examples and we could have been done with this or be on the downswing instead of still still probably on the upswing and it's it's real sad so
1: but on a more humorous note um after all that craziness um so the movie i watched cuz i was on vacation this time last year and i looked back in my um like my Letterboxd Diary, and it's I saw that I had watched Buttcrack Crack last year, which that <laughs> leads it, which was the first trauma film I ever watched. You can actually watch this thing on YouTube. It's it's pretty doggone ridiculous, but uh, that leads us into tonight's movie pickem game. So Joey, I looked back at what you were watching this time last year, and you rated both of these films um about the same. I think four stars is what you rated them. But interesting. Tonight, if you would, if you had a choice between Alien and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, what would you check out?
0: D- Alien. Oh yeah. <laughs> Alien. Yeah, I like huh. that movie way more than, than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, well, that's surprising. It, yes, I and as much as I love martial arts movies and, and Asian movies and all of that. The, the the wire the the wire food turns me off real real hard oh. uh, the movie is really good uh and it has a lot of, it's very beautiful and it's very technically sound but the the, the wire food just just doesn't do it for me
1: hmm. yeah aliens a very slow um you know atmospheric movie so um interesting to hear that you go that that direction
0: um yeah my my roommate thought that uh, i would like aliens more than alien Mm-hmm. And, no, I actually think, I think Alien is a much better movie. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like them both, but I, I
1: definitely prefer Aliens, but, hmm, interesting. All right, let's talk more about some of the movies we've been watching lately, and Joy's actually been watching a few lately, so let's get into our good, the bad, and the ugly... <laughs> So I have the timely, the shorty but a goody, and an all-time
0: banger. I have generic, horny, and uh, <laughs> still funny. All
1: right, which what's what's your horny movie?
0: All right, so this was one of my blind buys on when I went ham on the Arrow sale a few months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's called All Ladies Do It. Now, to be fair. Like, I knew it was going to be kind of a sexually, a, a sexual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the cover and a girl sitting there and her butt's out and, you know, I read yeah. the description. It's and, very you know, eye-catching. Yeah. And you read the description and it, it sounds like it's supposed to be kind of like this movie of, I guess, from what I remember, it was supposed to be like female empowerment. Like, it seemed like her husband was like didn't want to do anything and she just needed to go out and like sow some wild oats maybe or like explore her sexual nature kind of thing and then you get into the movie and it's like well that sounds like what it is but it's about a woman and is being told by a man and boy howdy like I said in my in my letterbox description this is the horniest movie I've ever seen I've watched porno less horny like Hmm. boy Um, and there is everything but like insertion. And then there's even like points where they're watching and they're like watching porno on TV and you see that, but no, you see, you see homegirl, you see everything homegirl has got. And she's a gorgeous woman. Like she has a gorgeous smile. She's very good at being like flirtatious and, uh, charming. And it's, you know like I wish she was in more movies she was only in a few and then she became like a missionary like I wish she was in more movies where you know she wasn't just here I'm naked and getting you know torn sideways like but yeah that's that's all ladies do it um you you want to watch a movie from the Arrow collection and you know have that pretense there that's that's the one
1: it's only two stars and it sounds pretty enjoyable to me
0: um brother like the, the plot is uh that's there's no plot there's yeah. just a plot there's just there's there's no plot brother
1: like uh-huh. it's like a <laughs> glorified porn
0: yes that's it like take what you we used to watch on Cinemax oh uh-huh. uh, you know, and, and like turn it up uh because you know they didn't show um you know below the waist because they, they definitely show below the waist and yeah that's what you got
1: okay yeah that one and there's another cover on letterbox somewhere i forget what what it's exactly it's called but yeah it's basically a naked woman on the cover and it's always like oh maybe i should watch that one day but yeah typically the the classic movies always go
0: up to uh the peak of my attention let's do um you're shorty but a goody Okie dokie.
1: What's that one called again? Uh, it's called A Nation's Pride. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay. A Nation's Pride is the little movie that the Nazis are watching in the theater during Inglorious Bastards. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's about a six. Um, I think they just th- they just show a few uh, frames of it in the actual Inglorious Bastards, but you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. Uh, it was directed by directed by eli roth but it definitely has qt's um signatures all over this thing and yeah i mean it has you know his signature like really uh dark but funny uh humor i mean there's this you know this nazi up in this bell tower up in italy and uh he's just gunning down americans left and right and like the bodies are like stacking up like crazy in the street so we got that aspect um the whole floor of this tower is just covered with shells you got that um it's actually really um timely and one like of its main message because like this one general's like hey do you want us to bomb the tower and you know knock this guy out and he's like no way that tower's been there a thousand years and i'm not standing in between you know i'm not turning a piece of history into dust you know at the sake of people's lives so it's like whoa that uh that kind of hits home with what's going on lately in politics and um you know social spheres So yeah, that, um, yeah, this thing's just ridiculous. I mean, he, like, carves this, like, perfect swastika on the floor and, like, some of the bullet holes on the outside of the tower are in the form of a swastika. It's totally ridiculous, but also very entertaining. It's only six minutes. If you like inglorious bastards, then that's a must-watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially if it's only six minutes long, like...
1: Yeah, I definitely spent more time writing about it than I did watching it, which goes... For most of the stuff, but moving
0: on. <laughs> Alright. So I have uh, generic and still funny.
1: Alright, let's just, uh, we can go generic and on a higher note.
0: Alright, so that's uh, Knock Around Guys. So huh. I, I was just scrolling through my uh, I don't even think it was my watch list. I was just scrolling through some movies on Netflix one night and uh, it was like, oh, here's this uh, this gangster movie. And it had uh, Seth Green and Vin Diesel in it. And it was from like 2001. And so I was like, sure, I'll watch this. <laughs> and it also had um, John Malkovich. And uh, mm, our favorite person on this show, Daddy Wants to Fuck, Dennis Hopper. Um, so, I want to put it, point out, those last two actors were way too good for this movie, like, way too good, I think, <laughs> because 2001, Vin Diesel still really wasn't Vin Diesel yet, like, I think he'd uh-huh. done, what, one Fast and the Furious movie, like, he wasn't quite Vin uh-huh. Diesel yet, you know, Yeah. um, so... Boy, like, all right. So Vin Diesel, Seth Green, and two other guys—they're like the kids of gangsters. They're trying to prove themselves. They've been spoiled and sheltered their whole lives, except for Vin Diesel. He's the rough. He's the roughneck. He's the muscle. All the other guys are like rich, spoiled kids. Um, they lose a, they lose a fuck ton of money, in like Montana, Idaho, somewhere, bringing it back from Washington. Well, Seth loses it. And then they all go out there and they try to find it. And then it's just, it's not very good. It's just, just, it's very generic. And then, you know, John Malkovich turns out to be the actual bad guy. And he betrays them and blah, 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 blah. And then the the last two left... Which was not Seth Green. It was one of the other ones. Him and Vin Diesel. Like they learn a life lesson, and he's like, "I don't want to be in the family." And then he tells that to Dennis Hopper, and he goes off to try to be a sports agent. And blah 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 blah. It was not very good. It was just very generic. Like whatever. Oh. Like yeah. I'm sure some people would like it. It just it didn't. I just was sitting there like, okay, cool. I'm yeah, whatever. So, so
1: you just said, it was it just came up on Netflix. Is that what you? Yeah, said? it was
0: on Netflix, and I was just like, you know, scrolling through movies and you know looking for something to watch, and it was like, oh, uh, here's a movie about gangsters. Oh, I'm gonna watch a gangster movie tomorrow or whatever. Hmm. You know, sure, I'll watch. I'll watch this. Cool. Because you know at that point, I'd already read the description of, of the of the main feature at a night, and I was like, okay. We'll, we'll watch this into this tomorrow and I was like oh this is real this is not very good <laughs> this is very this is very average gotcha all right so we did we got, I got one
1: I got Timely and an all time banger oh Timely okie dokie so yeah with the the recent social unrest I've been watching a couple uh Spike Lee movies I started off with um, Bamboozled uh, and then I did uh do the right thing, and I saw his new film, *The Defy Bloods*, on Netflix. Uh, but the timely one I wanted to go with was uh, *Do the Right Thing*, which feels like it pretty much could have been made yesterday, with um, you know, everything that's uh, gone on here in 2020 in terms of you know social social injustices. Um, yeah, do the right thing. Wow, definitely wanted to be back in the conversation with this. I hadn't seen it since I was uh, in high school, and. Watching back through it, like, the big debate, like, I think we had talked about this before on the show, the big debate is, does Mookie do the right thing, more or less, by trashing this pizza parlor after his, um, good friend gets killed by a cop? And watching back through it, I was like, I kind of felt the same way I did the first time, where I felt all the sympathy about this darn pizza place. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't be the case. I should feel more sympathy for the guy that got killed and really kind of peeling back the layers of the film and watching all the way back through it spike is very manipulative on how throughout he layers on your sympathy and then at the very last second he kind of changes directions on you because the guy that gets killed in this um this movie a radio rahim he's very much of this kind of unknown person um and so he really tests like you know are you going to directly just you know stick with um or go to, you know, like your sympathies to this person that is killed that maybe you don't know them? Have you attached yourself to them? Or are you going to stick with this thing you've been um, kind of led along with the entire time? So it's very interesting how Lee does that. Um, It's, it's, a really, really um, kinetic film, I would say. I mean, it's it kind of washes over you, and you're like, oh, "Why, why exactly do I feel that this way after experiencing that?" And you you know, watch back through, and it's very layered, with each character having their different nuances. Um, basically, the plot is the fact that there's this character named Bugging Out, and they're all at this um, this their neighborhood pizza place called Sal's Famous Pizzeria, and he has this wall of Italians on the wall, and Buggins out. Is like, hey, you're part of our community, we should have like, you know, famous black people or, um, you know, black people representation on the wall, which whenever I started thinking about that more, I mean, it's not just, I mean, you go in any pizza place in America, your chances are you're going to see a bunch of Italians on the wall, but having this conversation about representation, you know, it's more than just this pizza place, you know, it's, you know, black people's um, representation period in america kind of um, coming to the forefront with this conversation it's i I definitely check out all the different letterbox reviews with people's opinions on it um there's so much to talk about with this um so i definitely uh if you haven't seen do the right thing definitely definitely something you should watch as to um i mean if nothing else just kind of having more sympathy towards you know like you know The different um you know what minorities have to deal with uh there's a lot there a lot of difficult stuff to talk talk through i spent shoot two days going through my review to making sure it was just right how i wanted it worded because i mean it's very sensitive topics so uh do the right thing it's a criterion it's it's a masterpiece check it out all right so that leaves still funny right
0: yes still funny um and I guess that's not, I couldn't quite get it the way I wanted, like, the wording I wanted. It's not still funny as in I've seen it before and it's still funny. It's still funny because it's a sequel. Um, and that's uh, Jumanji The Next Level. Um, oh. This was yeah. your, you, you Have you seen it before? I had not seen it before, but, like, that's, that's what I was saying. Like, I shouldn't have put still funny. Like, I should have worded it differently. Um, but I guess it was still funny as in... The, also the, the funny? Whole, yeah, also funny, or <laughs> it's still funny, almost as funny as the first one kind of thing. Um, okay. I, I didn't think it was quite as good as the first one, but, like, like barely. And neither did I. Like, okay. But, I mean, I thought it was, I thought the two Dannys added a lot to the movie, both both the Glover and, um, Penguin. Not Danny. DeVito. Penguin. Danny DeVito, there we go. Um, <laughs> Danny Penguin. He's the Penguin, damn it. <laughs> um... I, I thought they added a lot, um, you know I mean, part of the reason it wasn't as funny is you didn't have Jack Black teaching Karen Gillum how to be hot. Okay, like that's like you don't have that scene and that scene right. like made Oh, it.
1: I was so bummed that like whenever she does have her breakdancing like uh fight, like it's the same song. I'm like, they couldn't have given us a new song to do that to I don't
0: know. But I was a little underwhelmed this one. Was was still really good. Um, and it was still really funny. You know, they, had to, they had to switch up where they were all different characters. And, you know, when Danny DeVito's The Rock and he's smoldering it like the wrong time and, you know, just smoldering all the time and just killing people and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So there's just – there's a lot of just basically the same formula. It's changed up a little bit. It makes for yeah. a good movie. Um, so I, I was impressed with it. Um, I'm glad I watched it. Um, and, you know, the st- – they set up for another one so i'll um, right. watch i watch that one too when it comes out um in like a year or two uh you know assuming that they start filming movies again um so right but yeah yeah jumanji the next level it was a it was a it was a good time
1: i liked how they were able to switch back and forth the characters but man that flying horse thing i was just like really uh, I think they kind of jumped the flying, <laughs> jumped the shark with the
0: flying horse. I mean, yeah, it was like it's gonna be. Um, I I thought that the um, Danny Glover's character when he when he became the horse was gonna sacrifice himself in some way as opposed mm-hmm. to staying behind. But, you know, whatever. It was still, you know that pulling on your heartstrings kind of thing that they were shooting for there. So yeah. All right. All right, so you have an all-time banger. What what banger and mash do you got for us today, my friend? All
1: right, so you guys know I've been uh, you know, watching back through all the Scorsese's. What I've seen uh, stuff I hadn't seen in a long, long time and I've had this Blu-ray of Taxi Driver sitting there waiting for me to finally watch it again and wow, Taxi Driver. Um, yeah, Robert De Niro. You got um, you know, Scorsese, um the writer escapes my mind. <laughs> um, what is the writer of Taxi Driver? I'll know in seconds.
0: I don't, off the top of my head, I could not tell oh, you. Paul Schrader. Paul, Paul Schrader, and, um, Paul Schrader like, like the Paul Schrader? No, it's Paul Schaefer I'm thinking of, so never mind, but okay. <laughs>
1: so, Paul Schrader was a famous uh, movie critic who turned um, into a screenwriter and he, he's directed a lot of cool stuff. So, yeah, Travis Bickle. Um, yeah, gosh, this movie. Um, so, so stylish. So, so 70s. Um, it's interesting. My, my, my overall takeaway was, like, man, as great. And as deep as this movie is, it kind of just washes over me. And it doesn't really pull me in, like, emotionally. But, I I mean, I appreciate so much about it, but I don't love it. It's, it's kind of a conundrum I have. Um, he's such a... I mean, you've seen Taxi Driver, right? Oh, you, you saw yeah, it I, just the last two years or so, right?
0: Yeah, I saw it in like eight, March or April of 2018. It was a, like, I think the first movie when I was doing my countdown to 1,000. So it was in it was in that list. So...
1: Yeah, it's such an interesting character study of this guy who like complains so much about seeing like the filth on the streets driving his cab every night, but yet... He drives the streets almost like constantly it's like somebody that's obsessed with what they hate and then he like manufactures that into like um you know racism misogyny and violence um one thing i really noticed was like scorsese has a cameo in this thing where he's like in the back of the cab and he's talking about like all these different topics like racism um well he's being racist he's being misogynistic against his wife and he's talking about violence and I kinda like at first when I was watching that scene through I'm like, man, I wonder if Scorsese like regrets this scene because he's being a real twad in it. But um but yeah, all these are aspects of like what brings out the worst in Travis. And so that's um it's almost like an alter ego in a way, if you want to think about it really deeply um again it's one of those i spent a lot of time writing about this one on letterbox um had a lot of interesting uh follow-up conversations a few shout outs to my letterbox friends um max rothman had a really good in, um insight about how travis bickle almost represents like this um former like western kind of persona that's now in like a city landscape and um Well, another one of my friends on there uh rasmus uh followed up with some insights they had as well and then we even have a little debate about is he is he not dead at the end so um yeah it's really cool to get connected on letterbox with a bunch of you know high thinking people about a movie like this where you can really really dig your hands into um yeah we could have a whole show on taxi driver so i'll leave it there um yeah
0: nice also you know a good um a little bit of a tie-in to the main feature because i'm pretty sure uh gamora was a uh, martin scorsese presents movie i'm pretty yes, sure i saw that at the beginning so mm-hmm. we have a martin scorsese presents and a, and a quentin tarantino presents movie um yeah so
1: yeah. now our feature movies this week we are talking about a couple criterions that we uh, know nothing about but since we're on the topic of criterion uh we'll dust that top that old box off again um yeah, and talk do a little Criterion talk. I know it's the Criterion episode comes to the territory, right? That is correct. Okie dokie. So, um, how did you become aware of uh, the old Criterion's, Joey?
0: I'm pretty sure that either it was either through Letterboxd, um, I'm also pretty sure Carl has a bunch of them, um, and he, um, it, and it was him that explained you know explained it to him to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know I went out and purchased one. And then I found out that I had already had one uh, when I purchased that first one. So, um, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, well, I've had this for years. I just didn't know it." Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so the first one that I had had for years um, was chasing Amy because, you know, I was a big Kevin Smith fan, and so, of course, it had, like, a little bit of a nicer case and, you know, said, like, collector's edition or something on it. So even back then, I, you know, wanted the the nicer, fancier cases and that kind of thing, but I didn't know what Criterion was or anything like that. Um, but then the first one I went out to buy specifically because it was a Criterion um, was Lady Snowblood. Um, nice. Because, you know, got to, then that's what started my quest to find, like, not only you know like fancy copies of quentin tarantino movies um and specifically kill bill more so than the rest but um anything that like inspired kill bill um and different quentin movies as well but specifically kill bill um that, that's what started that so you know not, not, it's all history from there <laughs> all right
1: um yeah, a few years ago, I had started listening to a lot of uh, different YouTubers online, talk about movies, uh, RazorWire Reviews, uh, Daisuke Beppu, and yeah, they kept this term criterion kept coming up and up and up, and I looked over at my shelf and was like, hey, I got that Fear and Loathing disc over there, hey, that's a criterion, and then, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many like criterion haul videos online that I'm always watching, there's a lot, of, a lot of buzz about it on Letterboxd and stuff, so um yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. My first time actually going into a Barnes & Noble and uh, tracking one down It'd be the first one I knew like what I was buying was uh, being John Malkovich, and I think I got about 50 or so now. Uh, hopefully I can, uh, the closest Barnes & Noble to me uh, shut down, but hopefully I'll go to the one the next town over and uh, pick up a few new titles. Um, but yeah, some real exciting um Criterion News. Um, I really enjoyed watching uh, Bong Joon Ho. I believe his name is the director. Um, it's *Parasite*. Uh, best Picture, Best Director. You know, swept the Oscars with this movie, and it's coming to Criterion. Real excited about that. And they just released what the packaging is going to look like, what all the special features are. The um, special features are going to include the uh, black and white version of the film, which I'm looking forward to. Um, have you actually seen the front case, the front, the
0: front of the case yet? Yeah, yeah, I saw it uh, somewhere come across my feed earlier today. But you know, they've gotten a, a couple of like bigger movies in the last couple of years, actually. Um, that I, I really should pick up. Um, that I just haven't seen yet. But between, uh, Parasite, Irishman, Marriage Story, Roma, um, like all of these, I need to watch. Um, well, they
1: actually, well uh, Marriage Story's been announced, but um, Irishman hasn't been announced yet. I mean, like I, I, Netflix, I, I Netflix it was announced. Netflix said that they're um, that Criterion's getting it, but Criterion hasn't said when it's coming out yet. Um,
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's my fault. No, no
1: worries. Um, Yeah, I was kind of put off by the front cover at first. It's like it shows like the traditional poster for Parasite, but then there's like this white over it with like these like circles or whatever. And then somebody on the um, the Criterion considered Facebook page is like, "That's brilliant. That's Morse code saying Parasite." I was like oh that's cool and once you find that once you see the movie you'll see the the brilliance the 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 morse code has into like the um significance of the story so yep can't wait to uh get that um eventually and watch it for the second time um i was blown away the first time i watched parasite and um i was really happy when i won the best picture so we came up with a little game since these are since this week is all about um criterions we knew nothing about we figured we would um, shout out a few of our favorite, maybe lesser knowns. Um, I mean, depending on what movie spheres you're in. I mean, if you're a huge Malik fan, you're definitely going to hear heard of my first one. Um, but these are ones that I generally don't hear a lot of people talking about that I really enjoyed. So um, what's your number five, Joey?
0: Um, well, I didn't really put them in any order. I just kind of wrote them down. But, um, That's fine. M- m- none of these I heard of until I started doing criterions so um, we'll do uh, the Lone Wolf and Cub collection which okay. was the second one that I bought so I guess it's like seven movies um, but one of the movies that might be more known to people in, in that is the movie in the supplements called Shogun Assassin um, where um, if you listen to Wu-Tang Clan or if you are familiar with Kill Bill 2 it is referenced in both of those movies which is a the American version of the first two movies where they kind of splice it together and dub over it to form one movie, but it is um, what um, BB and Beatrix watch at the end of, um, or near the end, of Kill Bill 2.
1: Oh, and um, big Kill Bill news um, recently, right, that you, you're
0: you excited about. Potentially, where um, Vivica Fox wants wants Zendaya to be her daughter if they make Kill Bill, or Re- Kill Bill 3, whatever they decide to call it, Kill Beatrix, or... Mm -hmm. something of that nature yeah and where what could be really cool is now that uh her daughter is old enough she she could be bb that would be the really the really cool part especially now that she's a you know an actual good actress so right on uh
1: my first one it's an early uh criterion um it's it's called alexander nevsky um it's a russian film I kind of came into this thinking it was going to be real kind of old-fashioned looking, but man, I mean, on the Criterion channel, this thing looked very, very bright and vivid and has some amazing like medieval war scenes in it. I was very impressed. I mean, I like Russian stuff in general, but yeah, this is a pretty awesome medieval um, Russian war film. Uh, it's funny, whenever you look at the Letterbox reviews for it, most people are just like, oh, it was Russian propaganda wa- during World War II, and that might be so but i mean a lot of war movies is propaganda so
0: whatever yeah actually i feel like most war movies are are some form of propaganda or nationalism so yeah
1: all right what's your next one
0: um i'm going with the killing which uh you mentioned earlier i do believe um so this is another movie i would never really heard of and uh Boy, this is definitely my favorite Stanley Kubrick movie by a lot. Um by a lot.
1: Um you make my body hurt every time I hear that.
0: You make my soul
1: cry. But moving that's, on.
0: That's that's fine. At least at least I like Kubrick movies, Justin. Some <laughs> of them. Um a, a Kubrick movie. No, I I like this one and I like um hold on my mind's blanking i'm sitting there i Doctor, own the movie saga strange looking. love was pretty good yeah I, I would say that i liked that one i was actually I think not platoon but the, uh, the um oh, full metal jackets good yeah yeah full metal um you like the shining and i did like the shining um not, not as much as the book because it's not a straight adaptation of the book but you know whatever um oh I, didn't, I,
1: I i didn't realize you read the book
0: yeah, yeah, no, I was big into King in high school. Like, really okay. big. Yeah, um, I, re- I read the book as well. Anyways. Yeah. Anywho, but yeah, no. Nah, uh, it's, 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 it's just a really good, like, basically heist movie. Um, so.
1: Actually, um, yeah. I think The Killing I had mentioned before the podcast, and that was one of the movies, um, along with being John Malkovich, I picked up a DVD copy of The Killing, which looks pretty good. I didn't realize they had a Blu-ray, but... Um, yeah, the D V D of the Killing looks pretty great. And they also have that Killer's Kiss in that set, which
0: I've yet to watch. Shame on me. Yeah, no, it looked really good on blue, and it's uh Carl has that one is how I've watched it, and it's just like I keep I have a list of, of ones I want to get and it's always in there and there's just they just keep adding more and one day I'll have it for myself and, and on my side. Nice. Um
1: a movie I was I was very pleasant to see that it was on the criterion collection um broadcast news I used to work in broadcasting, so this one's near and dear to my heart um when I was studying it in college I went to a conference and they showed a few scenes of it um yeah maybe one day we'll watch uh, we'll we'll watch uh, pull this one out for the show but uh yeah broadcast news it's a uh, definitely check it out it's a uh, really really great A lot of people think about it as a romance but really it's depiction of like broadcasting and how that what life and that kind that um profession is like um is really captured really well there was a lot of memorable moments broadcast news
0: all right um the next one for me um is by one of the most beloved directors on the 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 collection actually but um kurosawa kind of, huh kurosawa yeah it is by kurosawa okay um but it, it it strays from his general what what you think about when you think of Kurosawa you know samurai movies it strays from that it is high and low look at you <laughs> um, but it's, it's just so good and it you know it's black yeah. and white except for the one part where he throws that pink smoke up and it just it's 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 Kurosawa and and um wow why did why do I having so much trouble tonight to share my feelings yeah. And it's just a powerhouse of a movie. And like, if you haven't seen it, like, please just just stop listening to us and go watch it. Shit, it's so good. Um, it's like in my top ten movies for this year. I, I, just it's so good. Like, and I, I wish I had heard of it sooner. I wish I had seen it sooner. Like, it's one of the reasons I purchased it when I went out and bought movies this year when I was only buying a few. Like, that's why I bought it. It was ridiculously good. Like, I can't say enough good things about it.
1: Awesome. It's kind of ironic. Uh, my next one is a, a Kurosawa as well. Unfortunately, uh, this was a um, a Kurosawa laser disc back in the day. It's uh, the film Dersu Alazala. It was one of his later films. He actually, he got it made up in Russia. It tells a really, really good story about this, like, Russian kind of, Military leader explorer who's like exploring the Siberian and he runs into this little guy named Dursu and they develop a lifelong friendship um, If you watch it, you're like hmm. I think this Dursu guy might be an influence on uh, uh, George Lucas for um, a little character he made so um, Little props to uh, if you're a Yoda fan, I definitely recommend you check out Dursu Ozala. It's on the channel One of my favorite saw was very under uh,
0: under known Nice. I will will take that into consideration. Um, As I, just every time I watch one of his movies, I just fall more and more in love with him, so.
1: It's like, hmm, we got this Vin Diesel movie or Deuce Rozzala. Gotta go with the Vin Diesel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes you want to watch something that doesn't require your brain to work.
1: True. I had my, yeah, we had talked about that a few shows ago. I I was like, hmm, John Hughes, come and make me my life happier.
0: (laughs) So... All right. What's next? Yeah. Um, so this one's probably the one that is the most – probably the most well-known on my uh-huh. list. But um, we've talked about this last season, uh, compared it to like another movie. But uh, it's Blue is the Warmest Color. Um, okay. It's an absolute masterpiece of a movie. Um, and I think people probably know it just because I guess there was some controversy of some of the subject matter. And and maybe because of the director, I think there was some controversy with him as well. But – yeah. Um, I have a feeling maybe you know just people who watch maybe regular movies or just only like us releases probably don't know anything about it and um, you definitely should watch it it's um a great coming of age story, a great love story um, between these two women or young women girls whatever and um, it's yeah it's just like me and you said it's a, it's just a masterpiece yeah, some of it's very explicit um they show some mm-hmm. graphic stuff but Um, like it's, yeah, it's just fantastic. And I I think like if you're into that kind of, you know, those kind of movies with the people growing up and living life, then you should definitely do yourself a favor and watch it.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, blue, um, a lot of times people will be like, Oh, what's the sexiest criterion? And, you know, someone will be like, Oh, blue is the warmest color. And they're like, Oh, but it's downright pornography and stuff. And, um, I think often it'll get like written off for you know its explicitity, but um like you said it's it's a very beautiful film. I was blown away by it. All right, my number two, I'm gonna go with one of my Lars Lars von Trier films. Um, my favorite from his uh, from him, Breaking the Waves. I remember this was on my radar for the longest time, and then one day on Letterbox, somebody's just like, "Man, you need to watch that movie. It'll change your life." and it really knocked my socks off. Um, it's basically the story of this... She's kind of a slow lady and she marries this guy and the guy gets disabled. And you know Lars, he likes to be very perverse in his movies. And so it brings up the concept of being faithful to your husband and the fact that his family... He wants to like, since he's paralyzed, he can't have sex with her anymore. And so she want he wants her to go out and have sex with other people and to hear about it. So he's kind of a pervert in that way. Um, <laughs> and, and her being so devoted to God, like she goes through with it and how far will she take this? And it, it's, it's a very, uh, it's, I mean, Lars is perverse, but man, this, this, there's something about that movie that I, it just blew me away. So, uh, breaking the waves.
0: Okay, I mean, that's, I mean, it brings up, you know, not having seen the movie, but you've talked about this movie before, but it's like, you know, if you're paralyzed, and you have no way to, you know, you still love your wife, you don't want her to leave you, but you want her to, you know, be able to fulfill that part of her life, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And then you also have your needs that you still at least mentally have it, it, it it raises some questions. And I guess, you know, that's what it, it tries to explore. So yeah that's it's kind of a it's that's a lot there just just in the description you gave you know yeah so um so, i
1: mean i mean, you've seen dancer in the dark and um Dogville, so you know how he does but uh yeah this and especially the ending of that movie gosh i i got over it on my shelf one of these days i'm going to rewatch it
0: um it's about two and a half hours so it's a little bit of a time commitment but
1: most of these movies and, are
0: and i've seen nymphomaniac so i, I which right. which i which i liked the other two movies, not so much. But *Napalm that's
1: an that's that's an odd one to be like. I liked *Napalm Maniac*. That that movie was crazy. I watched <laughs>
0: it randomly one day on Netflix, many many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want from me? Oh goodness. The random Netflix. So anyway, right, what's, what's um, your what's your last one? Um, actually, it's one we watched uh in the first episode of this season, and that's uh the Umbrellas of Sherbrooke. All right. Um. And I feel like a lot of people probably don't know about this movie. One, it's foreign. Uh, two, it's a musical and like a, like a traditional musical. Where every lyric or every every line is sung as a, lyric, a song lyric. Um, and I feel like with how popular La La Land was a few years ago and winning a Golden Globe and then winning an Oscar... Um, that with how much it influenced that movie and as popular as that movie seems to be like if you like that movie or musicals in general like this is you owe it to yourself with how beautiful the colors like it's one of the most vibrantly colorful movies i've seen period um and then how enriched like detail they like, i don't know how much they put into the love story and everything that they that goes along with that story and what they do with it. Um, you just feel like you owe it to yourself to to check it out. I think it is on the channel. Um, but oh, yes, I think there's there's two copies of this movie in that house in in this house now that should tell you something. So um
1: <laughs> Yeah, I recall watching it I think it was on the Criterion channel when I saw it. Yeah, we uh and yeah, check back um the first episode of the season. Yeah, we definitely talked that one up. Very delightful uh bittersweet love story there all right my last one and so a long long time ago i watched my first malik film um thin red line and i did not enjoy it at all just because i was expecting like saving private ryan but now malik is a much more like intellectual like spiritual director and watched a couple of his films and finally started getting into his um lane of kind of what he's all about and then i watched his version of the pocahontas story which is uh the brave new world and yeah blew my socks off with how spiritual it was with taking a perspective like of like the native americans viewpoint of like spirituality and you have the john smith the pocahontas story there's a great battle in the, the middle there, real long movie, but, um, man, so, so, so beautiful. It's at, it's the point where I was like, if I'm going to watch a Malick film, I need to watch it with subtitles because he has all these like whispering voiceover narrative stuff going on and to really capture the full, like, um, what he's going for. Um, it's good to have the subtitles on for that. And yeah, Brave New World, um, no, the new world is what I have, what it is, um, yeah i need to rewatch some of these malik things it was interesting on uh, next season you have song of songs i think on your um one of your lists which is a malik i definitely recommend that not be your first malik um but uh yeah we'll revisit this topic at some point but um yeah i need to shoot he even has a new movie out i think the hidden life or something um Yeah, I need to track that down and see some more Malick, because a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to watch all Malick's films, and then I watched a couple, and then I didn't watch. It's kind of the thing where you have to be in a mood for, because it's a lot of like pretty shots, and floating around camera, and hearing what people are thinking about certain topics. Um, Yeah, Malick's one of a kind. I'll
0: keep that in mind
1: all right let's get into our feature movies of the night so our first one up here is gamora which is criterion spine number 493 so the reason i picked this one is i would always be walking through barnes and noble and i would see like this cover with this dude in his underwear he's real skinny walking around in a gun and he just looks totally enormous and i was like what on earth is that movie about And so I thought that perfectly fit into our, um, you know, Criterion's We Knew Nothing About category. So I finally wanted to check it out. And then you heard us on the last show. It was like, oh, it's about gangsters. Yeah, this should be fun. Um, So and that I would say that Criterion cover definitely matches the mentality of this character with thinking he is larger than life. Um, Gamora is it's a large cast movie um, with multiple stories, five of them all together. And they all have different, um, they're approaching the topic of the Camorra, uh, crime syndicate in, uh, Naples. So you have kids involved, you have teenagers on the outside, you have people that work for the organization, people that get contracted for the organization. I mean, this organization's everywhere. And, um, and if you look there closely, I mean, the name of the movie's called Gamora, but, um you know, the syndicate is called the Camorra. So basically he's like hinting at the fact that, you know, this organization is so evil that it's just like, um, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, the, the biblical um, cities that uh, God destroyed because they were so evil. The movie is super, super detached. Um, has a gritty feel almost like a documentary. Um, and while some of the stories were a little hard to follow, um, I was I felt very connected with the, the thing um, like the narrative throughout, and I was enjoying it. Um, so Joey, what were your first impressions? I know you had mentioned earlier in the show that uh, you know Marty Scorsese's name pops up right there at the front. Um, what were some of your first thoughts and you know seeing Marty up up at the top like that?
0: Well, you know I saw the the you know Martin Scorsese presents, and I'm like, all right, well you know it's an Italian movie, it's kind of about gangsters, you know. That all of that seemed to make sense, be in line, you know, he makes a lot of gangster movies, etc. So that all seemed to fit the bill. Um boy. Um, um
1: Lost for Words. Some... It was that wonderful. Oh, it was ben... almost as good as that Vin Diesel movie. Oh <laughs>
0: I mean, to be fair, I rated the Vin Diesel movie <laughs> higher than this movie. <laughs> wow, by like half a star. Um, now this is a better movie than that movie, but that Vin Diesel movie I could follow. They had character names. There wasn't five storylines with a million people in like seven places and no character names, like. Who the fuck were the characters? What the fuck were their names? What the fuck was going on? I don't know. You don't remember Maybe sweet.
1: You. you don't remember Sweet Pea.
0: Are Toto. We, are, we, are, you, are we in Kansas? Are we in fucking Riverdale? Like what? What? No. Riverdale.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. I'll jump I'll oh, in. Oh
0: man. Um. So no, um like I, I know there was the there's the kid at the beginning who was like taking the groceries and delivering the groceries and he wanted in um no. into the syndicate and all of that. But like nah man, like this was it did it did not do much for me to to mm-hmm. say the least. Um
1: Okay. Now I take it you haven't you haven't read or listened to anything about it ever since you've watched, I'm assuming
0: no um, okay and and because if I had read anything or listened to anything I think I would have died because the movie almost killed me and that's a little that's a little hyperbolic but like I was like shooting meth no um, shooting like what coke I was snorting lines of coke to stay awake during this movie and it still didn't work
1: oh my goodness Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> all right, so um, I okay, I'll, I'll I'll break it down. You can jump in as you want. Um, so I thought it was really interesting about it is a very quiet kind of um, slow paced film, but there's also like these like sudden bursts of violence throughout it. I mean, that did something for you, right? I mean, right off the bat, you got this really cool looking like neon blue tanning bed, and you know guys are kind of just doing their own thing, and all of a sudden, you know, people get start getting shot up. I mean.
0: That's pretty cool. That's pretty mobster. I mean, until you said that, I had forgot that that had happened. But yes, it's like the all right, these, guys are, these are guys are getting tanned. All right, they're they're you know they're getting tanned, and then they just randomly get shot, and it doesn't connect to anything. All right, I'm
1: I'm convinced it, that if a movie has any reference of Scarface in it, you you immediately hate it. I think that's that's the, the the rule of thumb we've come the one, to here. The, the to Scarf- has the a to Scarface in there. At Hate least
0: it made sense because they they grew up watching Scarface and thought they were gangsters and thought they were badass. Like at least that made
1: sense. <laughs>
0: all made- right,
1: all right. So um, so yeah, this whole like mob hit at the uh, the tanning um, salon, uh, it essentially triggers like this war between two factions. But you don't really. I mean, if I I would have really had to pour through the movie to kind of figure out who is who in terms of that, um, it's mostly about the characters that we come to see. Um, and from what I've, I mean, you can definitely tell that this is not glamorizing like the violence of like a uh, Goodfellas or Godfather. It's kind of like the anti-gangster movie of saying like, you know, it, it really sucks to be living in like the slums. And, like you have to work for these people or else you know you get killed yourself or or what what have you um, so it's definitely deglamorizing and I've seen more of these um, anti-gangster movies lately um, I saw Mickey and Nikki a few um, months ago I think and that kind of had the same vibe too of it's it's definitely not you know making these guys look like you know, awesome people it's making them look like you know total assholes in what they do um so what are your thoughts um on this being kind of more of a harsher look at um the gangster genre compared to like goodfellas godfather um sopranos i know we both love all that stuff so um see any correlation or you know how it kind of goes against that
0: i mean okay it's definitely a much different it definitely portrays the, the, the gangster life in Italy to be much different than how it's portrayed in like American gangster movies or gangster TV shows, like you said, like Sopranos, where, you know, it, it's, yeah, you're doing, you're, <laughs> you're doing a lot of gangster shit in the kitchen, but you're also, you know, you live in a big house, you drive in Tahoes or Cadillac, ca- Cadillacs and you you know you got fancy watches and you know, what have you you know you're basically living it up especially once you you know make it past being a soldier once you're once you're higher up kind of deal but yeah no definitely in these movie in this movie um it's um it's basically just scraping by it's what you got to do kind of thing and it's uh um it's, it's at not least,
1: at least for these lower level people because the organization so I mean we don't see anybody at like the top of the organization that is you know, seeing all the money of these, what, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of euros of drugs that they're selling all the time and, um, you know, all the investments. So we never see that level. It's its more like we're seeing kind of the grunts and the wannabes um, throughout this film. Uh, do you remember that episode of The Sopranos where they actually go to Italy and, like, all the guys, like, they all have this, like, romanticized version of what it's going to be to be back in, like, the old country. And they get there, and they're disappointed that, like, the the Dawn is, like, a woman. And they're just not happy with, like, what they do over there. You remember that
0: episode at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember, um, because, like, there was, there, they tried to make it be something between her and Tony. And Tony was like, nah, I don't, I don't shit where I eat kind of thing. And
1: I do remember that line. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. So let's, um, I think the best way of tackling this is just to go through each of the stories. And we had talked about, Dur- uh, not the Zala, um, uh last season, about a year ago, actually. And that was also a multi-character, uh, multi-story story, multi-story story. Uh, uh, several storylines within the movie. <laughs> um, the one interesting thing here is like, they never connect in the traditional sense like you'll watch like a, a like a love actually or like an altman film like um shortcuts and eventually like they're they cross paths but you know there's no crossing paths the only connection is the fact that they you know life in this this uh area of naples is all about you know the syndicate but yeah let's get through some of the characters here um maybe brush off joey's memory and maybe he'll appreciate some something I, I i can only is, uh, see his opinion coming out from here i think it's about rock bottom as we speak so um if you've seen any images of this film you'll you'll be familiar with who um marco and cirso uh um sweet pea um so they're these these two guys and they're basically the big wannabes of the film um they're probably in their 20s very very skinny um and yeah they think they're total badasses i think we first see them and they're just kind of walking through this um i think it's like a building under construction or whatever because they the one sits in like the bathtub and he's he's uh, he's talking like he's tony montana uh they totally idolize scarface and i i thought these were by far the two most interesting people uh characters in the film um because they're they're kind of living like the wannabe um fantasy gangster lifestyle everything works seems to work out for them. Like they go to this like drug deal and they pull out their guns and they take all the Coke and they storm off and they get away with it. And it seems like everything goes their way until it doesn't later. Um, But yeah, I think the reason these are framed is like the two principal characters is like this glamorized idea of what gangsterism these guys think that they're achieving it. And in the end, the end of the day, they just end up in a ditch. Um, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is about them being in their underwear. <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty cool. He had the got the one guy had the the grenade launcher on on it, and he just launches a grenade across the river or whatever, and it just hits this random boat and blows up. That was pretty sweet. Um, and they're always talking about, oh, you know, I'm gonna take out the Colombians and. So they're like totally like pretending they're in uh, Scarface which it's like 20 years old. I think you could uh I mean I think we're a little over fantasies at this point but uh, these guys seem to be locked in one.
0: I mean yeah, no, these, these guys were the ones that actually had some sort of story um, and it's 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 a sad story. Um and it's a dumb story. And I don't mean dumb as their story is dumb. But they're fucking dumb. Because it's like... Okay. yeah, We're going to go rob the mob. We're going to go rob these drug dealers. And it's like... Like... Guys, you're, you're, you're asking to die. Like, you go and rob a, just a gun cash. From mm-hmm. the mafia. Or the, the, the Camaro. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, do you want to die? And then... They, they take them, and they're like, hey, stop doing this. If you do it again, we're going to kill you. Like, in plain English. Well, I guess in Italian, whatever. And <laughs> and they keep fucking with them. And then they're like, hey, man, which granted at this point, it, this was too late. This was part of the trap. I'm like, come work for us. And they're like, nah, we, we don't like to be told what to do. We'll do whatever. And they're like, just do this job for us. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs>
1: well i i kind of was believing him because he the the guy you're talking about he's the one that has a like a a a tracheotomy so he has to like put his finger over his um (laughs) when he shows up to the bar or whatever that they're at and he's just like do you guys want a cigarette and he's like no no we don't smoke A little irony there with a the guy with a trait, you know, uh, seeing if people want to smoke. Um, but he was kind of, he was kind of sticking up for him during that one meeting. So I thought there might have been a chance that. Um, but it's he's very clever. He's just like, man, you guys have the biggest balls. I admire you so much. I need a favor, and just throws a shit ton of money at him. and they're like, yeah, we'll do a favor for you. Um, before we oh, get too um, far, oh,
0: okay. I would like to specify that you said a shit ton of money. It was like ten grand. Or 10,000 euros. So, like, it, it's not a shit ton. Not enough money to go perform a hit. I guess to those guys it was because they're broke as fuck. But, like, you're going to go murder somebody? You're going to perform a hit for 10 grand? Um, I'm gonna put it to you just, you're going to risk life in prison or being killed yourself for 10K. Like, I'm going to put I, it to, I, I'm not.
1: I had not looked at the hitman prices lately. <laughs> so, I, I'm not really sure what to say about that. But I, I'll take your word for
0: it. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's the going rate, right, but I'm going to tell you, it's not worth it to me. <laughs> all right, so that's you all got, I'm getting at. So, if you're
1: a listener of the show, you know that I like pretty forests in movies, and this this movie's got a, a pretty forest. They got they go to like a pine forest. Um, and these dummies, they apparently they buried some guns. And they don't know where they are. So they're like, where'd you hide them? I don't know. Kind of reminded me of Fargo with um, Steve Buscemi <laughs> hiding um, the, the, the crate of money in this huge field of snow or whatever. But, yeah, they can't find the Finally, they find the guns. And, yeah, they get seduced by this this mobster who wants them to do a hit. Um, you know, they're sneaking around, acting like they're James Bond. And then all of a sudden, like, they get ambushed. They get gunned down. And, um, you know, the goons and the... the um, What's what, what what what's that clothing called? They're like sports suits. or not sports suits. They're track um suits. yeah track suits with like um the dangly jewelry or whatever. You know they line, they load them up in a back loader and wheels off and you know that's the end of it. That's the end of their sad delusional story. So that's our main. That's our um, those are our main characters. You know it's a real happy show here.
0: <laughs> All right, and that's so, the movie, folks. We can move on, but we're okay.
1: not. No, we gotta <laughs> talk about the rest of these, these guys. You got a movie to talk about here. Alright, so the next person I thought was the most interesting was uh Toto. He's the little kid. Um, so he's basically he like he delivers groceries around this really um I mean it's a very slummy apartment complex, but at the same time, it kind of has real kind of some cool architecture to it. Um and then one day, like he sees like some mobsters or um i think they're doing some kind of drug run and i think they get busted by the cops and so they drop the drugs and so he shimmies his way up to where that took place and he like delivers it to him and so like all right kid you want you want in um so they have this initiation process where they make him wear this bulletproof vest and you know they shoot him and um you know let him in and yeah they say oh you're a real man you took the bullet or whatever and like in the next like, a little later on in the mirror he's like marveling at his little uh, bruised bullet on his chest kind of like if you're like in a fraternity and you got a brand or whatever you know like you're one of the team now one of those kind of initiation rituals um do you have do you recall like some of the cool um like new age electronic um music that they play um periodically throughout throughout this thing
0: not particularly no
1: <laughs> all right um there's a scene i enjoy where they're you know jamming to some tunes they're like making kissy faces at some girls over at like a market or whatever and i
0: think that the... i remember but i don't remember the music
1: okay um i think it's the boy's mother who like snatches him out of the car and's like what are you doing with them you get over here right this second mister um they have a pet monkey I thought that was pretty fun, and uh, that, yeah, that's pretty much all there is with Toto's story. Um, you know, just the, this young boy who, um, yeah, he, uh, you know, he wants to be one of the guys.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, he he gets one of his neighbors killed. Like he for for some reason he and he he lures her out. It's the lady he delivers groceries to. Oh, He right. lures her out, and they shoot her in the back of the head. I don't remember why, but he does.
1: Yeah, I think I yeah. I mean, there's that whole, like, factions. I, I do remember that now. And, yeah, man, the violence in this movie, I mean, it's just so quiet for so long. And then, bah! in your face, very intense, like, almost frightening. Um, so he really kind of sinks in whenever it, it does happen.
0: Yeah, because he didn't want to do it because um, – but they are like, if you don't, it, it's them or us. And if you don't do this, we're going to kill you. You don't – and so he had to. But I don't remember why they wanted to kill – this lady who he just delivered groceries to I guess mm-hmm. she was she was the mother of like this other kid That he was friends with but they were on they were on the other side of the faction or something So he yeah. just had her killed he, he set her up and they killed her
1: All right, so the next interesting character I wanted to talk about was um, Don Surio Which when I first hear Don like I'm thinking he's like gonna be like one of like the big bosses But no, he's like totally like a middleman like money courier kind of guy So basically his job is to go around to all these families in this apartment complex and to give them money to make up for, like, their mafia family members being locked up. And as his story goes along, he gets more and more kind of stressed out about, like, him, his life being in danger. Um, So at one point, like, he he starts wearing this bulletproof vest in order to help protect himself. Um, He's almost as bad as a tax collector in the fact that, like, You know like he'll give somebody some money and walk away he's like oh I don't have enough to live off of this you know you get back here and he just keeps he keeps his head down and keeps walking Um, so that's kind of his deal Um, and then at one point he goes to deliver some money and he gets held up by the other faction and they're like about to kill him And he's like no 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 I'll do whatever you want I'll do it I'll do whatever you want I'll even defect and he's like no you know you don't matter we want money And so he helps them set up this plan to where, like, whenever he's, like, in this money transaction, like, he tells them where it's going to happen, and they ambush it, and, man, they storm in and just blow everybody to shit, uh, steal the money, and he's just there kind of, like, quivering in fear of, like, oh, my God, what just happened, as he has, like, blood on his face. Um, Yeah, he he definitely had a real feel to him. He was definitely a guy who just kind of doing his job, doing what he had to do, but at a risk because... um, yeah, I mean, you have people from the other faction, and and they don't they don't want the other people getting paid. So, any thoughts on Don?
0: Yeah, I mean, he was just a dude walking around with money. Uh...
1: <laughs> you didn't you didn't feel bad for him at all?
0: I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure that by by the time that that happened, I was just like, okay, sure, whatever, like. You just okay, like yeah. Unfortunately, like yeah. Okay, cool. Whatever. All right. <laughs> unfortunately.
1: All right. The next guy I want to talk about uh, is Pascal. So we're it's one of the last two people. Um. So he's a seamstress, and the fact the gar the garment factory that he works for has ties with uh, Kimura, and he gets hired by the Chinese to come over. They smuggle him over to their factory in the, in like the trunk. And, um, so he goes and trains their workers how to do it. And so the mob don't like the mob, catches word of this somehow and they don't like that none too much. Um, actually I think some of my favorite conversations actually took, place between pascal and like his chinese um associate like they're talking i think at one point he like goes to their apartment and he has some food and like hey we eat with chopstick he's like hey can you make me some of those egg rolls whatever so so there's some nice um human connection between those two and yeah they stick them in the trunk and um you know go take them over to the factory and but ends up biting them in the ass because the mob finds out and they totally wreck them what are they like run into their car so like they fly into this whole like monuments um kind of park deal so yeah they get all messed up and i think i think all those people all the chinese people in the car died but um pascal makes it out alive um got anything on here before i i move
0: to the what, what? um okay so i i didn't pick up that you know he had ties to the mob i was just i knew he was a seamstress um, and, you know, I saw the whole, whole thing with ScarJo on the camera. Like, honestly, like, you could have just taken him out of the fucking movie. Like, you just did nothing. Nothing at all. We didn't need him to show that they were brutal. Like, we already see all of that. Like, he just just did nothing. Like, a pointless, pointless thing in a movie that was already weaving in a very complex story. You could have taken that out, and it probably would have made it shorter, probably would have made it better. Okay, that's what I have. Okay, I mean, I I, I really
1: enjoy the fact that he, um, he really took pride in his work, and then we get that little treat at the end where you know he just happens to look up at this red carpet and he sees that this dress he worked on that he was very proud of, uh, Scarlett Johansson's wearing it on like a red carpet somewhere. So um,
0: now I did like him, but like his he didn't like. I feel like they wanted to make this movie way more complex than it needed to be. And okay. he was the thing that d- d- did that. Like, you just didn't need him. Like You could have taken him out. Honestly, probably could have taken Don Ciro out, and we would have been a lot better off. Was, dude, we could have had Toto, and we could have Sweet Pea, and Homeboy, um, Marco, and, like, all of that. And you would have had a much, much, much better thing going on. Anywho. Well,
1: I mean, that's, that's eliminating a lot of the people that are actually working, you know, either in contract with them or affiliated or actually within it. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, two hours and 15 minutes, a little long, especially
0: with, um, God, it was I mean, only two hours and 15 minutes. Holy shit. It felt like a hundred years. Like, and I don't mean to sound, cause the movie's not you love the technical on, level. It's not a bad movie at all, but Holy God, when you watch, especially watching a foreign movie, and, like, like, you're like, this guy's name was Pascal. I didn't know what the fuck his name was. I knew what none of these people's name was. Like, they hardly say their names. The subtitles, they don't say their names. They don't put their names up. It's like, I don't know who... I didn't know who any of these people were. Like, and then they're jumping back and forth. And you know I don't mind a movie jumping back and forth in a disjointed storyline. Because I fucking watch Quentin Tarantino movies coming, like, out the ass. This movie just... It needed to either be in a more straightened arrow or it needed to cut something, one of these storylines to, to make it a little more concise. And it would have been a lot better in my opinion.
1: I th- So you, you really need like, cause it, cause to me it sounds like you really need like an emotional, like attachment with a character in order for it to really pull you in where this is definitely keeping you at arm's length. I mean, I'm um, hearing that you felt that and you, it wasn't wasn't grooving with you too well.
0: Yeah, it was, like, why, why? I didn't care about any of the characters. Like, what was the point? Like, just, yeah, there was nothing. Like, and the two characters you were supposed to like, they were just dumb. They were just dumb.
1: I mean, did you appreciate how bleak the setting was? I mean, I mean, the, you can definitely tell they're living in a shithole, right?
0: I mean, yes, but, like, you, you could tell they were living in the slums. But, like, you were supposed to, like, you are supposed to at least give me something to be like, okay, these guys are living in the slums. They're going to make it. They're going to break out. Nope. No, there's no.
1: No, no there's not. It's, it's Gomorrah. I mean, this no, is. No, just give me some hope that they're going to
0: get out of there and then kill them. <sighs> give me some hope that they're going to make it. Not that the whole movie, man, these guys are going to fucking die. They're dumb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. You could definitely tell, yeah, that Sweet Pea and, um, what's his face? His luck was going to run out. Yeah. Marco. Okay. All right, so the last one, this was the the hardest one for me to follow. Um, So you got Roberto, and he's into waste management. And him and his boss, um, they have these different contracts with these industrialists to dump this toxic waste, um, chromium and asbestos, basically in this quarry. And I think they also have agreements to dump it like in the countryside or whatever, One of the main parts, which I totally missed this whenever I was first watching this, there's a scene where like all their truck drivers that they're going to dump this stuff with, like one of them gets like injured, like some, I think some waste gets on them and they don't want to do the job. So then they hire some kids to do it instead. So they definitely have no morals there in terms of, you know, getting kids to do their dirty work for them. Um, Yeah, this one was the, this one, I definitely had to look back through the Wikipedia to figure it actually piece this one together. Um, there's the fact that they dump in the countryside, they go and see these, like these, they're in kind of a village or whatever. And this old lady gives them some peaches and, um, the boss says, no, you're not throw, you you got to throw those peaches out. Those are contaminated or whatever, because they've been, you know, dumping these chemicals in the, these people's land. And so basically the end of Roberto's story is, you know, he dumps these peaches off on the side of the road and he's like, nah, this lifestyle's not for me. And, you know, he walks off and, um, so despite getting like a shoot tote of money for, um, you know, taking care of all this toxic waste for, um, being part of the syndicate, you know, this wasn't for him. So he walks away. So he definitely is the most, um, most in touch with this humanity out of any of them. Um, it, I'm assuming that you wanted to cut this character as well.
0: Okay. So... You could cut this. This was, what, 15, 20, 20 minutes or so? 30 minutes, whatever? Give or take, it does. take Blue <laughs> does literal nothing. It does literal nothing. It doesn't conjoin to any of the other storylines. None shows of them us, do. That's what makes but, this one um, so unique. The other ones at least... <sighs> we already know that they're shitty people. We don't need this. We don't need this at all.
1: The <laughs> this Alderman's... reminds me of our dancer in the dark episode where you're like we already know that she's fucked let's let the movie we don't want to need to see her more we don't need to see
0: her in misery like like yeah no just i'm sure there are a lot of people who disagree with me who have seen this like again from a technical standpoint this movie is fine Like, it it has a lot of great shots. It's
1: it's very well shot. Um, One thing I noticed, um, there's a lot of, like, there'll be, like, two people talking, and, like, their faces are, like, completely dark. Like, there's a lot of, like, overly dark stuff. I guess that's just to kind of match with the tone. But I was just, like, I mean, I wish it would have been a little bit more lit up, but I think uh, maybe that's just more of a realistic feel. I mean, it it totally did. If you would, um, I mean, if there was, like, a a narration, like, telling you exactly what was happening in each scene I mean this could have easily been a documentary. Um, I've said numerous times I mean it, it definitely has these bursts of violence and it's it's all about you know making this uh, this Italian mob life just look you know awful. Um, I really like the music at the end you know where they're actually saying the facts about the actual you know syndicate, you know, how they make all this money on toxic waste, drugs, and, you know, they have investments all around the world. Um That was
0: the best part of the movie. That was the best part. It did more in that ten seconds where they gave us facts at the end in the credits than the whole two hours of the movie did. That was the best part.
1: All right. All right. I mean, I admit that this is not a movie like, oh, you know... Do I want to watch Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction or do I want to watch Gamora? I think Gamora is more like you go there to kind of learn about a way of life. It's shitty. There's some entertaining aspects in terms of the violence. It's not supposed to be. Um, I think I was – I wrote something – I watched Platoon over the 4th of July and I heard a quote from like Francois Truffaut who said, "Any there's no such thing as an anti-war movie because – any war movie is going to have some violence in it and violence can be, you know, enjoyed, fetishized or whatever. So there are aspects of this film where there's like really intense violence. And for an action fan, that that's, you know, what you're craving to see. Um, thinking back to Taxi Driver, I mean, in a way, Taxi Driver is an action film you know, because at the very end of that, you know, he goes and blows away, you know, this den of, um, you know, this prostitution dinner or whatever. But up until that point, it's a very artsy character driven film. Um, I mean, totally different thing. I'm just talking about the perspective of coming into a movie and, you know, wanting a little action. I mean, I was raised on that. if I would have watched this movie with my dad, he'd been like, yeah, that was pretty depressing. I wish there had been more action in it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a different way of coming out of film if you're coming in looking to, like, have an experience or if you're coming in looking to be entertained. And I guess you had an experience and it was a bad one.
0: Yeah, no, I did not have a very good experience with this movie. Like, I went in, of course, blind, much like you. Yeah. I mean, I read the description. Um, and I guess, you know, I have, I'm have i predisposed thinking, you know, gangster movie, you're expecting a certain thing. But I also when when you give a movie i also have a certain expectation as well um, granted you didn't know what this was so that kind of went out the window um but you know this was this was also i knew this was a foreign movie so it was a foreign gangster movie that's a lot different than you know some of the movies like we were you know talking about it in comparison with earlier so i really didn't know what to expect but you know it just it did not click with me like i said I don't think it's an actual bad movie. Um, me, I don't necessarily know if I think it's a good movie either, but I definitely don't think it's a bad movie. Cause like I said, there's a lot of, from a technical standpoint, things that make it good. It's just it the story of- and mm-hmm. how it, how it was, how they went about the story just did not do anything for me. Um, so,
1: no, I, I was listening to a few reviews earlier and there's some people that definitely um, had the same sentiment to where they just felt so detached that, uh, yeah, it didn't do anything for them. It reminds me a lot of Army of Shadows. Like, I remember watching Army of Shadows and it just drove on and on and on. And there would be occasional action moments. But at the most part, I was just like, oh, I do not care about anything going on in this movie. But just something about Gamora, like the whole time, I guess because it's looping through characters you know, I'm always kind of anticipating it going back to the younger characters to see what they're into. And, I mean, the more I read about the, the movie afterwards, the more I appreciated what like, the whole tox, toxic um, waste management deal was all about. Um, so, I mean, I, I would probably rate it at four stars. Um, I really appreciate uh, kind of what it shows. It's not a movie you'd watch every day, but I definitely um, like how it's this re- representation of, you know... How, um deglamorized uh gangster life you know should be represented um, from an aspect especially with you know the true you know villains of the world
0: i gave it half of your rating <laughs> <clears throat> mostly for its technical prowess <laughs> all right and may, maybe maybe both of those stars were because they put scarjo in a TV cameo appearance yeah there you go Okey-dokey, But we
1: have another movie to talk about and I think Joe is going to like it a lot more. Stay tuned. All the we're back and next movie we are talking about is joey's pick uh King express which is spine number 453 joey um i'm getting into a little bit why this uh this was your pick for this episode
0: what's about all right so um being in some of the different movie groups that you know i think we're both in um i saw some people you know kind of talking about it um and i think the, the my first introduction to it was someone was like hey man i found this movie in a maybe a garage sale or like a Goodwill or something, you know, something like that. They found it thrifting basically. And they propped down this picture of the DVD release. Um, it wasn't the criterion version, but it was a, just a DVD release in it. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, big, big across the top. Uh, Quentin Tarantino presents chunking express. I didn't know what the fuck it was, but it, it had the words that mattered. Quentin Tarantino presents on it. And, um, ever yeah. since then I've been intrigued by it, but I had no clue what it was about. And, um, and, you know, it's also the, like this mythical rare find as it's, you know, it's OOP on uh-huh. Criterion for both DVD and Blu-ray now. So, um, but it's on the channel. So it's made it easy to watch and a, and a good one to do for this, yeah. um, especially versus what I was originally going to do. So it seemed like a good time to pick it. So, um, and what it's about um, in, a, in a nutshell is you got mm-hmm. these uh, two kind of like heartbroken Hong Kong policemen Um, and then they also fall in love, um, out of, out of their heartbreak, um, one with a mysterious female underworld figure, the other with this, a beautiful and ethereal server at a late night restaurant that he frequents. Um, Mm -hmm. so basically it's, um, it's in two halves, um, and the stories are very loosely tied together through basically one, one place. Yeah, happenstance, yeah, meet up. yeah, Yeah, so, uh, it's very, it's very. Very sleek, very stylish, um, and it's very centered around these uh, hopefully hopeless and excessive romantic um, people. Yep. And so, and then obviously QT was a huge fan um, of the film um, uh, so much so that he you know he did the QT presents part of it. Um, I think you said he, there's lots of videos where he's talked about how much he loves the film and yep. you know, different breakdowns and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. I think
1: whenever he was touring with Pulp Fiction is when he first saw it, and uh, yeah, he was. Because um, apparently Wong Kar Wai has a lot of Godardian influence and Godard is another one of um, Tarantino's like um, auteurs that he really enjoys his style. So, um, but yeah, whenever you jump into the world of Kung, Chungking Express and Wong Kar Wai, I mean, it's all, I mean, it's a really good story. But man, the, the visuals, I mean, that's where it's at. I mean, you got all these vivid colors. I love this scene where... He's painting across like this jukebox, and you see these twirling um, discs, and it's all this color. And then he has this really cool effect wherever, like the it's like this fast motion camera, and some of like the action scenes, and it just just almost a blur to look at, but it is still very you can understand what's taking place at the same time. It's a lot to look at at first, but it, it really I think it pulls you in with this. Although, like, the first part of this, the movie is a little weaker, I think this aspect of it, you know, really kind of draws you in.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely um, definitely something you've never really seen in a movie. The only thing I can yeah. think of similar is where they wanted, in, in movies, where they wanted to show you that time, time was elapsing very quickly, but in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, it was to kind of focus you in on this one thing, and I guess, like, Focus you in on this one character and the rest of the world was kind of moving around it Even if it was just a short period of time. Um, it was very very good camera work Um, I and, guess it's for a lack of term better term. and it basically starts
1: at the end of their story because that would be the last time That they saw each other and then we back it all the way up into so our this this first hopeless romantic is cop 223 and um, so what's his deal Joey?
0: um, so pretty much cop 223 is completely heartbroken, um, because his girlfriend has broken up with him. Um, she broke up with him on April fools. And so that's April 1st, obviously. And his birthday is May 1st. And he's going to give her a month to see if it's a joke or not, to see if she was playing a cruel April fools joke on him. And the way that he is coping, um, uh, is that he is buying pineapple canned pineapple that expires on May 1st only may 1st no other day just may 1st and that leads to some some interesting interactions with some store clerks um you know where like hey do you have one that expires on may 1st well <laughs> what day is it april april 30th 28th oh, yeah think, <laughs> yeah do you think uh you think i stocked expired goods oh you like expired goods so much here's a whole box of it like
1: yeah um so he's pretty nutty yeah and what I, and May for like you said, May first is his birthday, so like at the very end of this, like basically he's giving her an expiration date of when, you know, they are done for good. And you know, he's he's pretty depressed by the end. And what he eats, what, 30 cans of pineapple?
0: Yeah, he eats 30 cans of pineapple. Um and then he you know, he he goes, Well, my stomach was kind of rumbling. I hear I hear alcohol can settle an upset stomach.
1: Yeah, quotes and in this book goes, are great.
0: <laughs> he goes to the bar. Um He also had been frequent, like kind of frequenting this restaurant and, um, the bar owner was like trying to set him up with, or not bar owner, but restaurant owner was like, Hey, you should ask out this girl may, and then he doesn't. And she moves on to this other guy named Richard who works there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of some for, for setting up for later kind of deal. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Um, Sure. Yeah. And then while all of this is going on, you see the lady from the beginning of the movie, um,
1: Yep, she has a blonde is, wig, trench coat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, like a beige trench coat, not Matrix trench coat. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Very mysterious. She's involved with this kind of drug trade thing, some some crime, and I guess it's all. You said at one point we see a store sign that says Chunking Express, so I guess that's what that that's all about.
0: Yeah, it's uh like she's you know getting the guys fed and like she's like hey have some beers and it's like. Forty ounce beers or whatever, like humongous beers. But then, you, like you walk by, and just on like on a yellow piece of paper in the door is like Chung King Express. So I guess that's the name of the store. But yeah, um, she's very in, mysterious.
1: Getting those uh condoms and filling them up with some some drugs, some probably heroin or cocaine or something.
0: Yeah, it's one of the two. It's one of those powdered substances substances. Yep. Um, and yeah, they're putting they've been I mean, they're putting the drugs everywhere, like. In orifices on the body, under shoes, uh-huh. um, making women who aren't pregnant, pregnant, in bears, like, just everywhere. Um, and she's going to get her some drug mules and going to, I guess, since since they're Indians, um, and send them... Getting, getting a woman
1: pregnant that wasn't pregnant? What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> there was a woman who, like, she put some drugs in... I guess like a teddy, like a big stuffed animal, and shoved uh-huh. it under her dress to make oh oh
1: okay, make it look like she has a baby bump. Gotcha. I remember that yeah,
0: part. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I should have been more clear there. That's my fault. <laughs> um, oh, I knew boy. what I was talking about. That's what matters, people. Jeez. All Come right. On now. so homeboy,
1: the the alcohol doesn't sit well on his stomach. He rals all that up, goes back to the bar, and then uh, Blondie happens to walk in,
0: and he's like enchanted with, he he was like, I'm gonna fall in love with the next woman who walks in the bar. Oh yeah. And boom there in, in walks lady and Blondwick. Do you like pineapple? Yeah. He, he, he asked her, do you like pineapple in Cantonese? She ignores him. He asked her, do you like pineapple in Mandarin? She ignores him. He asked her, do you like pineapple in Japanese? She ignores him. He asked her, do you like pineapple in English? She ignores him. He and starts then, over in Cantonese.
1: Yeah, and then she looks over and it's like your
0: Cantonese is pretty good.
1: <laughs> so yeah, she's messing with him the whole time.
0: Yeah, and then she basically is like, I don't want to be messed with. Leave me alone. And he kind of just keeps talking. And I, somehow, in without asking her if he has, she has a boyfriend, he asks her if she has a boyfriend. And they just keep talking. And yeah, but she's he, basically like, I really don't want to be bothered closing time right, and then you know, yeah, semi Sonic song comes on, um, <clears throat> and they leave and go to a hotel, and she passes out, yep. and like he just eats all the room service in human history, Uh like burgers, <laughs> Watch, fries, watches movies, heads out at dawn, yeah, yeah, takes her shoes off and cleans them, um, and then goes running, then goes. Jogging in the rain so he doesn't cry over over May his ex-girlfriend. He even does the whole thing Oh, I was dumped by two Mays the actual girl May and the other girl who he never even asked out and He's like no more Mays, and I, you know, there's plenty of guys who are like well I'm never gonna ask out such-and-such girl with such-and-such name ever again. So, you know, that's pretty yeah
1: Yeah, yes, all mentality. Yeah, if he exercises, he won't he'll sweat then he'll he'll nah, not have any water for his tears Yeah Two two three is very sappy, but um, yeah, I like him a lot more than the the blonde lady. he
0: um, just, who? Hard who to, guns down a gaijin. Well, I guess we're not in Japan, so I guess it's not a guyjin. But he, she guns down a, um, a Caucasian dude in China. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, there just happens to be this uh, you know this white guy I'm making out with on um, this Asian girl that also has a blonde wig, and she shows up and guns him down. And um, yeah, it's re- for me, this is he's the some weakest sort of
0: jilted lover some sort of guilt yeah
1: perhaps uh yeah for me this is the the one weak part of the movie is just because it's just so hard to get a grasp of what this mysterious woman's about i mean she is the mysterious woman but maybe a a little bit too much so
0: i don't know i mean that was the third person she killed in this movie so because you know she starts running she starts freaking out when the indians i guess didn't make it into india or whatever she also kidnapped some little kid and then like less than an hour later gave him gave her back all right yeah Yeah, so, I mean, she's kind of all over the place, so, but, you know, Homeboy was in love with her because she paged him and was like, hey, happy birthday, and, yeah, so, he clearly had some some issues he needed to work out, um, Mm -hmm. because, you know...
1: And he's all about that page, because what's the quote? Um, If memories could be canned, uh, would they also have expiration dates? If so, I hope they last uh, for centuries,
0: because he's just so... um, Touched by her uh, reaching back out to him. Yeah, so. and then his uh his his pager password is like love lasts for ten thousand years or something. Oh
1: yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> there's so like there's that. so much little stuff in this movie.
0: Yeah. So and then how how we transition to the second part of the movie is that restaurant where uh-huh. he was supposed to ask out May and didn't because she went out the the second May, not his ex girlfriend May, but May who well, worked well, at the restaurant. Well, Faye. But Faye, right? But we were well, supposed to ask out May and Richard. And then the owner was like, hey, you should ask out. I got this new person started named Faye. You should ask her out before Richard does. And then he sees Richard and was like, I don't like men. But then he, <laughs> he becomes like he like literally passes by Faye. They almost bump into each other. And he's like, that's as close as I'll ever be. That's as close as I ever came to her. And within six hours later, she was in love with another man. And then we transition to the second half of the movie.
1: And this is when um, I mean the music throughout's really good, but um, man, the second half it really cranks it. We get uh, the California Dreamin' starts playing. All the leaves are brown, California. Goodness, that's a great song. Um, I love how it plays over and over again, Um, and it's playing so loud. And so the new cop um, is cop six six three. So he goes up to this like American um, like cafe kind of deal, just kind of a um, like you walk up to the counter and order. And um what he's uh the the, the California Dream's playing so loud they can't even hardly understand what they're saying. It's, like you like loud music? Yes, the louder the better it stops stops me from thinking. And so many great lines in this. Um but so we backtrack a little bit and find out more about Cop six six three and he's getting over another love interest, right?
0: Yeah, he's getting over him and his uh his now, ex girlfriend who was a stewardess and they live basically next to the airport. But you see, um, just like a flashback scene, and um, you know, they're being very playful and like flirty. And you know, she's you know, I guess she's wearing like a skirt or some shorts or whatever, and just like a bra, and they're playing around in the house, and then you know, uh-huh. they start being very sexual and they're they're playing with like toy jets or planes which makes sense that she's a stewardess and then yeah, i think
1: it's like a united uh, air uh yeah united mm-hmm. airlines plane or something um yeah you know, he even dunks into the fi- uh the the fish tank um but yeah man that that's a steamy scene especially they uh they start getting frisky
0: yeah and then you know and it's it's not one of those like they're just they're just banging going at it uh like, very sensual like, wanna, yeah it was very sensual because you know showing how much they were in love with each other and um that kind of because it's, it's him having like a memory kind of thing i do believe and then yeah. um and then you know you you see um she's like going to work and she's like bit down and she's like waving to him like across the street where he can see in their apartment and you know right. and then you snap back and he's talking about ordering chef salad and the dude's like you always order chef salad uh He's like, well, that's what my girlfriend wants. And she's like, well, why don't you try something different? Try fish and chips. And he's like, well, I don't know. And he's like, why don't you take both? (laughs) He's like, it'll break the bank. Oh, it's not that expensive. And then he comes back. Oh, fish and chips. Oh, well, she liked it. Well, this time take her fish and chip and um, hot dogs. Yeah. And then it was like, and then this time take her pizza. Yeah,
1: the boss of the little uh, cafe thing. He was a trip. He was a nice guy. (laughs) Pay the electric bill.
0: (laughs) Oh, pay the electric bill. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm I'm paying. I, I can't. I'm in mean, too many too many people in the building. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. All right.
1: So moving on. Um. So the girl, the hostess girlfriend's leaving the cop. Um. I guess she's gonna go to California. That was what was happening there.
0: Or she well, just takes
1: um, off in general.
0: Yeah, you she know, just break up. She doesn't do anything with with California because remember you see her at the very end of the movie. Um. Maybe not the very, but you see her on the motorcycle in the gas station.
1: Okay. Um yeah. But yeah, she leaves the breakup letter and the keys with the the diner because they they know the uh, she knows the cop will be back back by there and they'll hand it off. But they offer it to him and he wants no part of it. And then everybody uh, goes and reads it themselves.
0: Yep, including Faye, who's in... Like she's sitting there at work one day, and uh, she like daydreams about being in an apartment, and then I guess decides that since she daydreamed it, she might as well fucking do it, and so she decides to do it.
1: Um, Yep, and she becomes obsessed with yeah cleaning up his place, and yeah, she's not gonna be with him directly because well, I mean even before that, like she keeps like going out of her way to like run in run into him whenever he's at different cafes and stuff.
0: Well, that was after well after the after he turns down the letter he takes and she puts it back on the board and puts a pin in it he decides to take time off from work and then while he's off work he, you get this weird scene where he's like talking to like his towels and so you see how he's coping which is not very good and then um he ends up on like a different beat. And so she's like out picking up supplies and she runs into him and that's when she figures out where he is. And then she intentionally keeps running into him, like with like stuff for his stuff for a house. And she's like, yeah, I'm decorating a friend's house, but it's his house.
1: All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's totally just kind of in his own little day to day rhythm of being a cop. And he has no idea that phase going there every day and cleaning up and, Dustin and you know, doing everything just about over there, giving him new fish.
0: Giving him new fish, new tablecloth, eventually like new sheets. Um, yeah. She dives into have... the
1: bed and goes looking for the other girl's hair, and she finds it and freaks out.
0: Yeah, And then she goes to open the door and he's inside, and she's like, he's like, "What are you doing here?" And she's like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "I live here." And she's like, "Oh, I came to sell fish." and then she like freaks out and he like starts massaging her and then she like falls asleep and then he falls asleep. Mm. Um, And in that whole scene, he like puts a CD on and um, it's the same song from the cafe, you know, California dream. And then she's like, Hey, you like this song too? And he's like, no, it's my ex-girlfriend's. And she's like, huh, That's a lie. This is my CD. I left it here days ago. And she thinks she's (laughs) so like, she thinks she's so slick. And then yeah, you find out later he, that he hands it to her
1: later. Or, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, even earlier than that, there's the scene where she's in there and he comes home and she like hides under a blanket to, so she doesn't get caught. And then um, I think the time she does get caught, that's whenever there's like he leaves the faucet on. And so like the whole place is um, flooded. So he's complaining about having to clean it up. And I think there's a line about like uh, how an apartment will cry or something.
0: Yeah, it was after that, like, he cleans up the entire apartment, and then, um, like, since he can see into the apartment, like, he can see that she's in there um, from, like, the building next door, and so he, like, comes over there, and then, you know, she, she hides, and then um, he's like, what are you doing in my apartment? And she's like, you said to drop by, and then, you know, she runs and escapes, and then he goes back to the restaurant where she works, and, like, he's like, hey, I came for my letter. And then he's like, hey, the boss says you're off tomorrow at this time. Let's go get dinner. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, just because boss says I'm off means I have to get dinner. And he's like, no, I'll be here, which the name of the place was California. And then he's like, here's your CD back. You left it at my place. Mm-hmm. So you're like, he wasn't stupid. And then, you know, so he gets ready for this this date and uh, starts playing. he gets there early. And he starts playing music on the jukebox, waiting for her and waiting for her and waiting for her. And then finally, the owner of the restaurant comes and gives him a note. Yeah. gives her, And it's like, oh, it's so heartbreaking because it's like she didn't even come herself. And he's like, she's not coming. She went to California. And you're just like, no. But you knew (laughs) she had wanted to travel because in one of the times where they were uh you know he she ran into him she was like mm-hmm. no i want to travel and go to california I almost have enough and i think she and she
1: plays with the same jet that they play with earlier on and then she kind of like marvels at the um the ex-girlfriend's flight um stewardess outfit and she essentially becomes his ex-girlfriend in you know in a cyclical way
0: yeah and then he <clears throat> He leaves, and he, he, he hasn't opened the letter. Like, he doesn't he, – he goes into a restaurant – not a restaurant, a gas station or a convenience store to, like, get a get a drink. And then he runs into his ex, and, you know, they do that, oh, how have you been, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she's like, well, you look better in the uniform. And he's like, mm, so did you. And then being <laughs> the jerk that his ex-girlfriend is, um when the guy, on the, the guy she's with on, a, like, a motorcycle, like, revs the engine, like, you know, hey, bitch, hurry up. He <clears> runs out – she runs out without paying and she's like, you'll pay for me. I've been oh, like, yeah. I've been like, no, I'm going to arrest you. I'm a fucking cop. But <laughs> he, he does. And then it starts raining and he like throws the note in the trash can. And then you see him come back and open it. And it was like uh-huh. a napkin. That was like a, a handwritten boarding pass for a right. year later. And it's smudged like, out though. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh man. Okay.
1: And he put it in like the hot dog heater <laughs> in order to try to dry it out or something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, he put it in the hot dog roller to, like, try to dry it. And then you fast forward, and it's a year later, and then you see Faye dressed up as a stewardess, and she has long hair, and is, like, done up in braid, like, a uh, braid that is, like, circled around, like, her hair. It's not down her back or anything. And she walks up to the restaurant where she had worked for so long, and she goes to open it, and there's the cop renovating it. right and um this is just such a good scene because they you know they're just talking and he's like i need to ask you a question and he's you know he asked her about california and stuff first and she's like eh, it's whatever and he's listening to california dreaming uh, really loudly and she's like oh you like loud music now too and he turns mm-hmm. it off and he goes and gets the note that he has tacked to this board and he's like what would you do if i had a?" Uh, through a boarding pass like this, and she's like, Oh, well, I can give you another one right now. And she grabs a napkin, and,
1: and where do you want to go?
0: Where do you want to go? And it's just like, Okay, it's just <sighs> yep, the, the sap got me. The sap got me. I can't, yeah,
1: it's a very cute ending, and then it uh, goes all to white as the uh, credits start to play. Um, you said it was a Cranberry song?
0: I thought it was. I could be wrong. That's who I thought it was. And I, I could be very wrong about that. Um, that's who I me and I... Carl thought it was. But if you if you looked it up, then you're probably correct. But that's who I thought it was.
1: Well, I wasn't quite sure what the name of it is. I, thought, I saw Dream Lover online. But anyways, um, yeah, I was watching one of these uh, Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino Presents things. And he was talking about Faye. And um, apparently she was a big pop star whenever this movie came out. And she actually sang one of the um, the versions of that within the movie. Um, definitely uh, the manic pixie dream girl type. I mean, a little creepy that she's sneaking new in his place all the time. But you kind of let it go because she is, you know, such a, a charming uh, little lady there. Um, she's all over the place. I mean, the, her boss keeps telling her that he needs her to um, pay the electric bill or whatever. And... Um, she just keeps finding ways, like why she can't get over there, and then uh, eventually the electricity goes out, and so there's a really cool scene where they fill the whole thing up with these candles, and it just looks beautiful. This one car y shot, um, and the other one I really really like is whenever she's like sitting up on the escalator, and like the side of the escalator has this reflective side to it, and like you he shoots her straight on, but you see like her double, which is super super awesome. Ace um. shot.
0: Yes, it is Dream Person, which is a cover of Dreams by the Cranberries, and it was written okay. by Dolores O. Uh, Ria, the lead singer of the Cranberries, and Noel <laughs> Hogan, performed by Faye Wong. So yes, the Cranberry okay. song. Yes.
1: Very cool. Yeah. A lot packed in there. Um, yeah, it's almost like the, the, blonde, the personality-less blonde lady turns into the cop, and then the you know the obsessive um sappy cop turns into Faye a little bit um i don't so think yeah. both cops
0: were kind of both kind of pretty savvy. they were both very similar
1: um but i w- but he but i would definitely say the second one was more like reserve uh, like more you know a uh what's the word um not a uh he's not more reserved
0: to, yeah he wasn't um i'm going to eat 30 cans of pineapple
1: Depressed. No. <laughs> yeah, not, not that guy. I'm um, uh, ec- Extroverted or introverted, he's more introverted. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was going um, for there.
0: Yeah, this is definitely one I would love to add to my collection, which I mean, it's OOP, but I, aren't they coming out with a box set at the end of the year? That's um, been,
1: yeah, I think they were, yeah, I think they were, Criterion had rumored like a Fellini box set. They already announced the, um. Uh, what's her name? Um, I have to look that up. um lady who directed cleo from five to
0: seven that i can't help you with brother i have no clue that
1: is um agnes varda box set they've announced that yeah there's been a rumor about a fellini box set and then a long car y box set for the longest time shoot maybe maybe wes anderson will get a box set everybody gets a box set bergman got one I think they made a kurosawa dvd one back in the day
0: they did and uh one of the things i was going to mention well because we've had some technical issues and had to reshoot a couple of things is um we, we were talking about some of the um the movies we picked up which we didn't talk about on um, the spinal cut but uh we were talking about not you were talking about how you don't blind buy stuff i did blind buy that zato ichi box set and i'm glad i did i bought it right before it went oop and so I got it for like a hundred bucks because I got it for half off. It's like four hundred dollars now. Nice. So it's good that I did. I mean, there's no way I'm not gonna like get a hundred dollars in value out of twenty five movies. So I mean, that's like four dollars a movie. Like.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I, I gave *Chung um, King Express* four stars the first time I saw it. Um, oh, yeah, I'd easily move it up to four and a half. There's so many. So much little uh, charming intricacies throughout this whole thing. Just that one little weak part at the very beginning, but yeah, it's One Car Why. Just a visual dazzling, visually dazzling movie. Great quotes, great music, very charming. Um, it's great. I mean, I never saw myself getting swap and swept up into a uh, Chinese love story, but Chung King Express will do it to you.
0: Um, I definitely think it's five stars. I think it's a masterpiece. I mean, I don't think it's. And I don't think it's perfect by any means, but I don't think giving something five stars means that it's perfect. I just think that it means it's a masterpiece. Um, And I, yeah, Uh, I I mean, I guess if you've listened to how I compared this movie, especially to the first one, you can definitely (laughs) night, night and day. Um, So did you you have any,
1: did you have any favorite shots? I, I think you mostly, you mostly just focus on the story.
0: Um, the story for sure. Um, I don't... I can't... I, I did like the shot with the jukebox on. that's one you talked about. That's one that I, mm-hmm. I do remember um, a lot. And I remember... For some reason, I remember the one of, of 663's girlfriend looking up across into into the hotel and them like waving at each other. Those are the okay. two that for some reason stand out. And I just remember that both, both of the girls like wearing sunglasses a lot. Like, I don't know... Maybe there's a shot per se, but just a lot of like details like that, or like, um, all the product placement Mm -hmm. where, you know, now it would be in your face. And even though there was a lot of product placement, it was just because there would be items that they would buy. Like, here's a Coke. The dude would be selling Coke at his restaurant. So here's the paper cups that say Coke on them, or here's my vending or my my, um, fountain machine says Coke. Um, he's buying pineapple. So it's Del Monte pineapple. Um, you know, he's drinking a beer, it's Heineken, you know, like it's, you know, it's, it, that, what I've that
1: heard, kind of uh, Wong Kar Wai actually did actually come from the um, making commercials. That's why he's such a visually strong director. And um, yeah, wonder if that plays
0: into it at all. It could have been because you know now all that stuff it would it would be just plastered so far in your face because they wouldn't be it wouldn't just be because it's everyday use kind of thing. It would be we made a deal with Coke, we made a deal with Heineken.
1: Now the Coke um, fountain machine is very, very prominent in that restaurant, but um, but otherwise I, I totally mean, get I what mean, you're more, saying. well,
0: yeah, and they and they they may have in Coke may have done that, but I mean it makes sense for it to be prominent in the restaurant because it's a it's, it's a fountain machine, you know.
1: Yeah. So, um, what? oh, it was a kind of an interesting. So what? She was like relabeling his sardines or something
0: at one point. Yeah, but yeah, she took the labels off and I guess put a, like a label from a different set of sardines onto him and he was like yeah. even the sardines taste different now with his yeah, that was it, pretty he gross. was his ramen. Yeah. <laughs> that that that, that bachelor pretty. food, man. Yeah.
1: All right. So yeah, you said it was a masterpiece and uh Chunking Express. Good talking to you about it. It's, it's, yes, good. For sure. it's nice that you enjoyed one of the movies i enjoyed I mean, both, both of them i thought they were very both very visually strong movies
0: i think this year this year's been a lot different from the first year where like like for the most part uh i've enjoyed both movies or four movies um way more than i did the first season where it was like uh i hated both movies uh, <laughs> uh, uh so you know hey you know yeah. it happens good so. balance all yeah. right, so what are we? What's, what's coming up on next episode? All right, so for our next episode, I am going to pick um, an all-time classic I haven't seen.
1: Okay. My all-time classic that I have picked is it's called Touch of Evil from Orson Welles. Uh, don't know much about it. It's been on my radar for the longest time, and um, yeah i needed an excuse to watch touch of evil which is supposed to be one of his great films
0: i haven't i have honestly i've never even heard that and i was like all-time classic justin and we haven't even heard of this but orson welles okay i, I guess um <laughs> you slid that one in there oh i'm gonna go with one i think more people have probably heard of um you've probably seen it um it's sabrina no
1: i haven't seen that 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 has harrison ford in it right
0: no 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 the, the remake has harrison the Oh, okay no no we're going back so going we're, back. we're going we're going back. back going 1954 humphrey okay. bogart and um audrey okay. okay yeah which is why i started with a humphrey bogart quote
1: the poster for touch of evil says uh the strangest vengeance ever planned i'm telling you it's a classic Dude, you
0: know, i'm look look i'm with you i'm i'm Look, I need to see more Orson Wells. So um I think uh I think we're gonna be in for a treat. Did you um, have a ba- did you have a backup on this one? Well this was my backup. Um I oh. changed when when we when we changed one of the when you changed one of the categories um and you added in um An
1: epic, epic instead of okay.
0: Yeah, when you added in the epic because this 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 was originally gone with the wind.
1: Oh, yeah. That'd have been a big one. So,
0: yeah. And since, uh, especially now that, um, we know what that is because of planning and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> All righty. Let's wrap this baby up. Uh, thanks so much to everyone that is following the show. And if you want to join the club, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Check out Sabrina, check out touch of evil before the next episode. And then you can join us in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you.
0: And if you would like uh, us to answer any question on the show, just send it to the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast at gmail.com. Also, we have a Facebook page um, where you have a button that just does it for you, or you can go to either one of our Letterboxd, um and send us questions on there. Or if, you know, you tons of you, I'm sure, that are listening um, know us personally. So, you know, send it, send us questions if you, you know, text message or Facebook message or whatever. And, you know, send us some questions. We, we love interacting. Um, and having questions and and different things that maybe we haven't thought of um, because we both have very certain lines of thought that we both run on and sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. But having different lines of thought is very good and we we do like interacting with you guys. um, So it would be very much appreciated. Nicely said. All right. So, Justin, why do we do this show?
1: Because we love talking about pineapples. No, I mean movies. Good night, everybody.
0: (laughs) Night.